What is the fatal flaw of every team in the NFC South? And where could things go wrong for this year's Atlanta Falcons? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. You are daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And we thank each and every one of you that makes this podcast your first listen. And, of course, we give a shout-out every day to the everydayers out there. Leave a comment telling you that you're telling us that you're an everydayer and follow in their footsteps. If you're not by subscribing or following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about the rest of the NFC South. We'll talk a little bit about the Falcons to start things off, but today we're going to be not so much negative, at least as I consider it more skeptical of all the teams in the NFC South. And we'll be somewhat skeptical of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, in the interest of fairness, but today we're talking fatal flaws, right? For each team, the thing that could be that maybe they're a little bit too overconfident in, too trusting in that this is going to work out, that could wind up being that team's downfall. No, we're not talking about, hey, they're counting on this, you know, number two tight end to have a breakout sort of season. Uh, that's not what we're talking about with the fatal flaw. We're talking about like core elements of the team, coaching, quarterback play, offensive line play, offensive identity, defense, pass rush, etc. All those things that are sort of core to team success. Uh, and we'll, we'll break down for each team where I think, you know, each team is, is potentially set up to fail uh, this season because they're a little bit overconfident. And we'll start things off talking about the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, today's episode, you know, whether we're talking about the Falcons or other teams, you know, has the potential, let's say, you know, some of this stuff is going to age pretty poorly, uh, potentially like six months from now. I think that's the fun thing about this upcoming football season is that we don't really know the answers. We can make educated guesses between now and then. And six months from now, we'll have those answers. And some of the things that I'll say on this episode will be very right. And some of the things I'll say on this episode will be very wrong. And so that's part of the fun of this exercise. Right. But when we talk about the Atlanta Falcons, who are when you go to FanDuel Sportsbook or plus 230 to win the NFC South, the second best odds uh, behind the New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, I think if you're wondering what is the Falcons' fatal flaw, if, you know, Julian Council of Lockdown Panthers or Ross Jackson of Lockdown Saints or James or David of Lockdown Bucks were to do this exercise and talk about the Atlanta Falcons' potential fatal flaw, you know, I think that the thing that jumps immediately to mind is their overconfidence in Desmond Ritter, right? That, you know, the last couple of seasons, if you look at metrics like adjusted net yards per attempt, the Falcons have been 19th in passing efficiency, both under Matt Ryan and Marcus Mariota the last two years. And so we just kind of assume that, oh, that's kind of the floor for what they'll be with Desmond Ritter, not necessarily because Desmond Ritter is a substantially better quarterback than either one of those two guys. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but we don't know that yet. But simply because Desmond Ritter is put in a position to succeed more so than those two guys were with the talent around him. But it's possible that Desmond Ritter may not be, you know, maybe a major downgrade. And so the Falcons may not necessarily have that 
you know, type of, of passing attack that is at least average, if not above average, like a lot of us, myself included, expect them to have, right? The other issue that the Falcons are going to have to deal with on their offense is, you know, one of the reasons why we're so excited about the future of this team is the young, talented, skill position players that we've collected around Desmond Ritter that we're expecting to step up. But, you know, a fatal flaw could be that they're too young, that, you know, expecting some of these guys to be that sort of linchpin, you know, reliable, uh, you know, week in, week out type of producer uh, that, you know, you, you kind of need in this league, you know, maybe they're not ready yet for that. Now you look on the flip side on the defense side of the ball. I think the potential fatal flaw on the Falcons defense is there's maybe potential that there's too much of an unhealthy combination of young unproven players that the Falcons are counting on players like Troy Anderson, Jeff Okuda, Arnold Epichetti, talented players that we expect big things from to be major contributors, but maybe they don't live up to those expectations in addition to some of the older veteran players uh, that may not have as much left in the tank as I think we're going into the season, assuming those are players like Calais Campbell, Grady Jarrett, et cetera. Um, and that may be, you know, lead to this Falcons defense not being as good as we're hoping it to be this upcoming season, not to mention, you know, their new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, is, you know, really a first-time defensive coordinator and is unproven at this point. And later, we'll, when we talk about, you know, the Carolina Panthers, we'll talk about, they have a first-time offensive coordinator that's unproven. So it's only fair to point out, you know, the fact that the Falcons don't necessarily have a known commodity on the defense side of the ball, despite, you know, all the rhetoric, you know, coming out of New Orleans and elsewhere that Ryan Nielsen is one of the top D-line coaches in the league. But that doesn't necessarily uh, indicate that he's going to be a great defensive coordinator to be able to coalesce all these pieces together. So when you look at the Falcons, you know, potential fatal flaws, the quarterback stands out. But, you know, there's a lot of youth on this team. And, you know, that's a positive potentially for the future, but it may not necessarily mean that things will coalesce for them right away this upcoming season right um as i've mentioned before like they're going into phase two of of this sort of rebuild and and you know we're hoping that phase two will be a quick transition into phase three when all the pieces are in place and the falcons are a perennial playoff team uh that may or may not ch potentially challenge uh you know for you know nfc supremacy and, and potentially be in the running for super bowls uh, but, you know, we, we may be stuck in phase two for a lot longer uh, than we're expecting. We may not be able to get over that hump into from phase two into phase three as soon as we would like it to be. Uh, so that is, to me, the potential fatal flaw of the Atlanta Falcons. And again, we won't spend too much time um, talking about that on today's episode. I'm sure these are topics that we will continue to explore over the next, you know, six or so months uh, between now and the end of this upcoming season. And of course, we'll be breaking it down each and every day on the Lockdown Falcons podcast. And as I said, like, you know, that's what's exciting about the football. It's like, we just don't know when it comes to this sport in this league. Um, we can make these educated guesses, but we just don't know what's going to happen. And that's exciting. It's like being a kid on Christmas, right? But uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the things that we don't know about with these other NFC South teams, starting with the New Orleans Saints, who are the current favorites, uh, betting favorites to win the division. And we'll get into that, guys, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. First, I want to tell you guys about FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. And new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And whether you want to use that uh, no sweat first bet on baseball, you want to use it on the upcoming NBA draft, right? You want to 
uh, see, you know, who's going to go in, in, in the lottery, who the Hawks are going to pick, right? You want to bet in this upcoming NFL season, the Atlanta Falcons winning the NFC South, any of these teams winning the NFC South, B. John Robinson, Offensive Rookie of the Year, you can bet it all at America's number one sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and you'll get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. So as we continue today's episode talking about the fatal flaws of the other NFC South teams after talking about the Atlanta Falcons, uh, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints, right? Again, plus 135, the favorites currently uh, at FanDuel Sportsbook to win the NFC South. And, you know, I would definitely, they would be the team if I'm, if you're asking me, and usually on this podcast, we say, don't to put much stock in Aaron Freeman betting advice because it's usually do the opposite and you'll win money. Uh, but I'm hoping that, you know, now that we're linked up with FanDuel, I can turn a new corner and all of a sudden my betting advice will actually be better moving forward, but we'll see. Um, but the, the Saints would be the team I would be least likely to bet on to win the division, right? And I, I think to me, the Saints have a lot of potential flaws for them, right? You know, they're they're counting on Derek Carr being a, a major upgrade at the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, historically speaking, Derek Carr kind of has the same issue that Matt Ryan had where with the first year under a new play caller tended to not necessarily get the best version of him. Uh, and subsequent years, you know, he got better. And so with that being the case here under Pete Carmichael in new Orleans, I do think the expectation that Derek Carr is going to come in right away and be this difference maker for the saints is maybe a little bit overrated. I'm certainly skeptical of that. Not to mention, I'm very skeptical of Pete Carmichael. Like is Pete Carmichael good? Like I haven't heard or seen or anything to suggest that Pete Carmichael is actually good at his job, right? Not to say he's like the worst play caller in the NFL, but all I hear and see from Pete Carmichael is just people complaining about how vanilla and predictable and, and basically he's like a poor man's dirt cutter, uh, you know, in, in terms of what he's bringing to the table, you know, from a play calling standpoint. And then you couple that with some of the question marks the Saints have at the offense, you know, Alvin Kamara, potential suspension. He hasn't been suspended yet, but the Saints have, uh, prepared this offseason as if he was uh, signing Jamal Williams, drafting Kendra Miller, right? He's potentially going to miss a third of the season uh, up to six games. Michael Thomas is supposed to be back. That's is that something to get excited about. My man hasn't played, you know, meaningful football in three years. So I'll, I'll believe Michael Thomas's return when I see it. And then you couple that with the potential that I think the Saints probably have the worst offensive line this upcoming season uh, that they've probably had in over a decade in New Orleans that it just to me is not a great combination that suddenly this Saints offense is going to be get back to the ways of what it used to be, which is one of the top offenses in the league. And then you couple that with the defense. Dennis Allen's a heck of a defensive coordinator. So I expect the Saints defense to still be a good defense, but I don't know if it's going to be as reliable as it has been the last couple of years, which has been a top five, top 10 type of unit. And a large part of that is due to the decline that I expect them to have up front right now I think their back seven is still as good as ever and you could argue that they probably have the best back seven in the division maybe the Bucks could could make a compelling argument counter argument to that but you know up front you know I, I infamously said on this podcast and you know I don't want any smoke from Cam Jordan on, on Twitter but you know I think he's washed right like still productive player eight and a half sacks not terrible but you know 37 pressures last year that's marginally better than what Lorenzo Carter did last year. So I don't think Cam Jordan is the type of player that can take over games. And I think he's, he needs to be that guy because the supporting cast around him, I don't know on the Saints defensive line is going to be as good as it used to be, right? You you lose on your mind, you lose Marcus Davenport, you're counting on Carl Granderson and Peyton Turner and Isaiah Foskey and Brian Bercy and Nathan Shepard and Colin Sander, Saunders to all kind of step up and, and fill those guys' shoes. 
And I don't know if any of those guys have shown the capability to do that. Granderson's probably your best bet uh, in terms of, you know, potentially stepping up and, and filling those Davenport, Trey Hendrickson size role opposite. And you need that guy to really step up because, again, without a bounce back year from Cam Jordan to get back to where he was, you know, a year or two ago where he was still a dominant pass rusher. I don't see the Saints defense being as dominant as it used to be. It'd still it'll probably be a good defense just because they're so good on the back seven. But I don't think they're going to be that top five type of unit that they used to be because I don't know if they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage as effectively as they have done historically in the Sean Payton era, as well as in recent years under Dennis Allen. Now, moving on to the other NFC South team that is third in terms of betting odds of winning division. That's the Carolina Panthers. They're plus 340. Um, you know, everybody's excited about the future of Carolina, similar to how we here in Atlanta are excited about the future of the Falcons. And a lot of that is owed to the fact that Carolina has basically been in quarterback purgatory the last couple of years. They draft Bryce Young. And look, I'll, I'll sit here and be honest with you. I think Bryce Young has loads of potential, right? We talked about this with either Mark Schofield. I think we talked about it with Mark Schofield. Yeah. Um, or Matt Waldman, but I think it was Schofield uh, on the podcast where, you know, Bryce Young's ceiling to me is the potential to be basically Drew Brees plus Russell Wilson, right? That is a potential top three quarterback. That is the type of quarterback that can, you know, go and duel with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and some of these elite quarterbacks in the league. And that is a real big asset for a team like Carolina to have after, you know, what they've experienced at that position over the last three, four years. However, I don't think Bryce Young's going to be that player today. And this, to me, gets to the nature versus nurture conversation, right? I think that is a potentially in Bryce Young's nature, but he needs to be put in an environment that can nurture that type of ability from him. And while everybody's, you know, positively glowing about this incredible coaching staff that Frank Reich has put together, I don't know if we should be assuming that they can get that Bryce Young to that point, because based off of their resumes that up to this point, there's no reason to be that optimistic that this coaching staff is going to get there. Because when you look at Frank Reich, good coach, but in terms of developing young quarterbacks, that's not really something he's done, right? You look at his time as a coach and coordinator in this league, you know, he was late stage Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. Then he was late stage Phillip Rivers with the Chargers. And then he became the coach of the Colts and he didn't develop young quarterbacks. He got the Andrew Luck at, at the end of his career, Jacoby Brissett, you know, several years into his career, you know, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, like the, the most successful young quarterback that Frank Reich has been part of developing was Carson Wentz his first two years in Philadelphia. But given what has happened in Indianapolis the last couple of years, you saw what happened with Doug Peterson and, and Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville last year. I don't know if we should give Frank Reich that much credit for Carson Wentz early success in Philadelphia as much as we should give uh, Doug Peterson um, some of that credit. So you couple that with the quarterback coach that Carolina has, Josh McCown, first-time coach. He's only coached in high school, longtime NFL veteran player, but there's no reason to necessarily believe that his first try, he's going to be able to develop Bryce Young into that elite quarterback, uh, you know, hit that narrow bullseye coming out of the gates as a first-time NFL coach. Uh, Thomas Brown's an unproven play caller, although, you know, I think there's reasons to be optimistic about Thomas Brown in terms of fostering a type of um, passing offense and environment that is conducive for Bryce Young to reach his ceiling. Uh, remains to be seen, not to mention, you know, the talent around Bryce Young, while it's not inept or by any means, is not anything to write home about, right? You know, Alan Thielen's washed. DJ Chark is constantly injured. LaVisca Chenault and Terrace Marshall and Miles. Okay, like, again, all NFL caliber players, Hayden Hurst, right? Like, they're not bums or anything like that, but they're a long way to go for me to sit here and buy into those guys as 
you know, this elite supporting cast that's going to allow Bryce Young to put his best foot forward over the next couple of years. Then you look at the defense, you know, people have been hyping up the Carolina defense for years now, and they've, you know, if, at least if you look at DVOA rankings, they've been bottom 10 defense for most of the last couple of years that people have been hyping them up. And, you know, they have a new D coordinator, Jiro Evero, who was one of the top D coordinators in the league last year in his first stint in Denver. But, you know, two years ago, Denver was the 13th uh, best uh, defense in the league under Vic Fangio. And then Jiro Evero got them the 10th last year. Like, oh, man, what an incredible job he's done, right? So if Carolina was the 25th best defense in the league last year, okay, like he'll get them the 22nd. or so, You know, again, this is why I, I sit here and be skeptical. And so I sit here and look at the Carolina Panthers. Like five years from now, sure, Carolina could be a dominant team if all these things work out. And this coaching staff winds up, you know, blowing my expectations out the water and they wind up adding all these, you know, great pieces around Bryce Young, you know, that offensive line continues to develop, that defense continues to prosper, all that sort of stuff, right? But the, we're, we're talking about like a 2028 issue, not necessarily a 2023 issue. And I think people are maybe putting the cart before the horse a little bit, getting their eyes are getting a little too bit big, talking about the potential in the future of Carolina. And again, I know I'm sure there are plenty of people saying this exact same thing about the Atlanta Falcons, but I sit here and I go like, I will believe it when I see it until Carolina actually shows that they can develop Bryce Young in the right environment. I'm not going to assume that they're going to succeed doing that. And so that to me is kind of the fatal flaw of Carolina that outside of Bryce Young, outside of Thomas Brown, you know, outside of Ajiro Evero being, you know, all that they've been hyped up to be, they to me seem like a very ordinary uh, football team <laughs> in, in my eyes. So that to me is kind of Carolina's fatal flaw. Um, and we'll talk about uh, Tampa Bay's fatal flaw and why I kind of think Tampa Bay because they're sort of the assumed worst team in the division is kind of underrated. And so I don't have as much negative to say about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as I have about the saints and Panthers. And maybe that's going to age very poorly uh, six months from now, but we'll break it down and, and why that is for me uh, as we wrap up today's locked on Falcons guys. But first, before we get there, I do want to plug the locked on Hawks podcast, part of locked on sports Atlanta. Of course, the Atlanta Hawks will be potentially making a selection uh, on Thursday night at the NBA draft, they may be making some trades. And so, of course, if you want to get the latest lowdown on what's going on with the Hawks, their big selection, their big trades, whatever, uh, of course, Locked on Hawks with my guy Brad Roland is the place to be. Subscribe to it on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So wrapping up today's episode, guys, I uh, want to give another shout out to my everydayers. Uh, make sure you uh, follow in their footsteps by subscribing or following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So we're wrapping up today's episode talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? And their fatal flaws, right? And I don't have as much to say about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in terms of their fatal fall, because I think their fatal fall is pretty obvious, right? Their question mark is about what is their offensive identity, right? They go from Tom Brady to probably Baker Mayfield. I will I, I, not going to buy any stock in Kyle Trask being their starter this year. Although, you know, again, maybe we'll see, we'll see. But, um, and I think that's a big drop off, right? Because you had an offense that led the league in dropbacks last year. They dropped back to throw the ball 773 times last year, which is on average about 45 times a game under Tom Brady. And it made sense with Tom Brady, with that receiver core to throw the ball as much as they did last year. Uh, that was where their bread was buttered from an offensive identity standpoint. But with Baker Mayfield, I have a hard time believing, or, or, or Kyle Trask, um, that they're going to throw the ball 45 times a game. That, that's going to be much closer to 30 or 25 times a game. 
And w- when you look at the need for them to be balanced this year, I don't see the type of running game that I think can sort of pick up that type of slack, right? Rashad White is expected to be the starter. They picked up Chase Edmonds this offseason. Kashawn Vaughn has been sort of hanging around the last couple of years, you know, and that's not a bad committee of running backs to have, but I don't know if any one of those guys is going to emerge as kind of the lead dog that you kind of need if you're going to suddenly start running the ball, you know, 15 to 20 more times this year than you have in previous years. Now, I think the thing that Tampa Bay has going for it uh, and why I think they're kind of slightly underrated relative to the other teams in, in this division is that outside of that conversation, you know, the quarterback, which is a big conversation, and do they have enough of a running game to sort of co- compensate for the drop in quarterback play that they're likely to get this year? They're basically the same team that they were last year. They, they still have the most talented group of receivers. Um, they still have, you know, one of the better offensive lines uh, in, in the division, assuming that they're healthy, if, if Ryan Jensen comes back healthy and whatnot. And they basically retained all their key pieces on defense, getting guys like Jamel Dean and Levante David back, right? Uh, you know, the player, the biggest loss that they suffered on defense was Logan Ryan and Mike Edwards, you know? So, like, you know, I, I still feel like Tampa Bay, from a non-quarterback talent standpoint in terms of supporting cast, probably has the most potential of any of the teams in the NFC South, have put their quarterback in the most success. But obviously, it's still Baker Mayfield. We haven't really seen him prove it at this level. So for that reason, Tampa Bay being plus 600 to win division, again, I may this again, this may be the take that ages poorly. Like, hey, Tampa Bay, don't sleep on them. And then they go three and 14 this year. And they're, you know, picking Caleb Williams or Drake May at the top of of next year's draft. So I, I will not say that that is out of the realm of possibilities. But in order to me, for order for that to happen is basically Kyle Trask has to be the starter for most of the season and be terrible, which is a possibility, right? Certainly a possibility. Um, But I just sit here and I go like, I don't think Tampa Bay is nearly as bad relative to the other teams in the division as people make them out to be right. Um, That, you know, their odds of winning division are, you know, almost triple what the Falcons are and almost double what the Panthers are. I don't know if the gap between them and whoever you think is the third best team in the division is as big as that seems to indicate, but again, you know, Fandle is going to Fandle. Uh, and so, you know, it's up to the bookmakers to, to make it compelling to bet. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm being honest, like if, if, you know, in addition to my Falcons bet on winning the division uh, at plus two thirty, I might, you know, I might throw 15 bucks on the bucks at plus 600, uh, you know, win a couple of pizzas, you know, in, in January for a Super Bowl night, right. That, that, that'd be nice for the, uh, you know, go into Super Bowl uh, investment. Um, and I'm not saying the Bucs are going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, like, you know, winning division, you know, nine and eight might might be able to do it. And that's all I'm saying. So, like, the Bucs have a fatal flaw. Don't get me wrong. They they absolutely have a, a major fatal flaw. But I, I kind of think they're kind of being slept on because people is basically like, okay, like, if, if you know, once you get past the quarterback, once you get past the running back position, I don't know if there's a whole lot to dislike about this Bucs team. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I know, again, this is going to get clipped and <laughs> thrown in my face. Six months from now when they're three and 14, but that's all I'm saying. So uh, those are all the fatal flaws of this division. Um, We'll see who winds up emerging as as victorious in this division. Uh, You know, I obviously have a vested interest in the Falcons being that team. I obviously 
my biases uh, again today's episode is not hey aaron is an unbiased spectator that has this completely objective opinion about all four teams in the nfc south no of course i am very biased and of course this is all very subjective and as i said earlier you know we'll find out how right and wrong i am about some of these things you know in over the next six months and that's what's exciting to find out about but you know i still sit here and think the falcons you know are the team to beat in the nfc south we'll see if that is correct We'll see which of these teams' fatal flaws come back to bite them. And I'm sure this is probably not the last time we'll be talking about some of these NFC South teams between now and the start of training camp. So make sure you continue to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen. Of course, you can do so via YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you check out the Lockdown Hawks podcast to get that Brad Roland draft recap uh, on Thursday night, Friday morning, whenever you listen to that each and every day. And, you know, in addition to Locked On Hawks, why not check out the Locked On NFL podcast where you can get the lowdown on the other 31 teams and maybe they'll be talking about some of these other non-Falcon teams in the NFC South on the Locked On NFL podcast. And of course, that's all free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you can find Locked On Falcons. Guys, that's going to do it for us here on today's episode. Really appreciate it. You know, have a great day, rest of your day, week. Enjoy the NBA draft. Um, whatever else you got planned this week. I'm sure I'll figure out something as well.